We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our guys, I felt we played very hard. We fought, we competed, but we did not play well enough. We did not play the kind of winning football that we need to play to win a game like that. Uh, different situations, all three phases, and the coaching staff. So we got to put it behind us. And it's 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 a, it's a long season in the NFL. You have games like this. You do lose games like this in this league, uh, and we've got to bounce back and play our best football on Thursday night. What questions do you have? All right, welcome into the Ravens Vault. You just heard from John Harbaugh there. I am Sarah Ellison. I will be joined shortly by Bobby Trossett. Uh, We're a few minutes late getting started. Bobby was having some technical difficulties at his studio, so he abandoned ship. He's running back to his house, hoping to have a better internet connection there. So I'll be riding solo until he jumps in. Should be another about 10 minutes or so for him to jump on, but... Uh, yeah, so Ravens fall to the <laughs> Cleveland Browns uh, in a nail biter, which, you know, probably shouldn't have been a nail biter with the lead that the Ravens had, but it ended up that the Browns win 33-31. to 31. Um, Just ugh, another one of those games that the Ravens, yeah, blow a lead. How many times have we seen this happen? Now, obviously, they're coming off of a four-game win streak, so they haven't done it you know, for a minute. They've dominated these teams, but certainly had things in control in Baltimore. In my estimation, uh, in the second half, uh, the Ravens just got out-physicaled. They got out-muscled. Um, I'd say that that happened in the trenches. Uh in these types of games where you have the lead, it's not a crazy strategy. In fact, it's the right strategy to try to run the ball down your opponent's throat. And the Ravens offensive line was not able to get that done. Uh, In fact, though, uh, you kind of wonder, did Todd Munkin give the give enough opportunity to do that? It kind of felt like when Ronnie Stanley went down, uh, they were already missing Morgan Moses. It just, the Ravens went away from the run game and we'll get more into that, get into the details of going away from the run game in that second half. But that also happened on defense where they just got out physical. How many times did we see the Cleveland Browns just run, run, run. And we just saw it at the end, especially when it was just, it looked like a, 
a um, just a mosh pit of of Cleveland Browns players pushing the Ravens back and back and back until they got first down after first down, or the the defensive line would get after Deshaun Watson when he would drop back and he would somehow wiggle his way through. It just felt like the momentum, the power, the muscle was all on the Brown side in that second half. Now, on top of that, though, because in these games, everybody wants to play the blame game. You certainly can say that this defense didn't stand up in the fourth quarter at the same time. The Ravens offense wasn't moving the ball. And I think probably the biggest single play in the second half that that impacted this loss was obviously that pick six. Not your traditional pick six. Um, there was a there was a bat at the line of scrimmage, uh, tipped the ball way up, and then the Rat Browns were able to get that pick six. That that was an easy score when you have, I believe it was a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter. You know, as much as the defense gave up these these slow churning, long drives, the offense also spotted the Browns a quick and easy pick six. Of course, the defense, you don't want to put it on the defense because the defense with Kyle Hamilton also got a pick six, but talking more in that second half, those to me were the keys, just getting out-muscled in the second half and then the easy pick six that that you gave back to them when your defense had given you that lead in that first half. So that to me was a major theme of that second half in the loss. Bobby, who again will be here as soon as he can, he's running over to his house to get a better internet connection. But on Twitter, he wrote, it's hard to win a football game when you go for two for eight on third down, turn the ball over twice, allow 4.9 yards per rush, lose time of the time of possession battle, cough up a 14-point fourth-quarter lead, get out manned in the trenches. And speaking of Bobby, he is now with us in the vault. Bobby, you made it. <laughs> I agree with that tweet. Who said that? I agree with those, <laughs> those points. <laughs> it's really hard to win a football game, Sarah, when you essentially – they gave them a dose of their own medicine. <laughs> Cleveland beat Baltimore at its own game today. And you see these categories right here. I, I mean – Two for eight on third down, right? You're not moving the ball in key situations as well as you should to close out a game. Turning over the ball twice, especially in crunch time. Um, you know, 4.9 yards per rush. I mean, the Ravens had had a decent number there. I think they were around four themselves, but defensively very, very pedestrian today, which was shocking, right? To see the issues that they had in space, tackling, discipline, angling. It was really, really uh, jarring to see that from a team that's been so short up and so disciplined all season long through nine weeks. You lose the time of possession battle significantly so. You cough up a 14-point a fourth-quarter lead, which we've seen before in Baltimore. And then as Cole Jackson, I think, put it best, they lost in the trenches today. And, and that, to me, is is one of the big – You know, these are the takeaways right here that ultimately led to something that was too, too, too much to overcome – on a day where, uh, you know, uh, certainly some things came at a premium and these things on the screen, a couple of the huge factors that decided this one. Um, so I just want to take a quick step back for just a second. We are going to analyze this game, everything that went into it, understand the frustration, but I do think it helps to take a step back to remember where we are within the season. 
Okay, at, at the end of this week, week 10, the Ravens are still number one in the AFC North. Okay, they're still, they're seven and three. Uh, and then Steelers come up next. Steelers won today. They are six and three. Cleveland obviously won six and three, but the Brown or the Bengals lost. So now they're knocked down to five and four. And the reason why I bring that up is because I, I just don't, Bobby, I've said this before, these losses or a play or a drive, when they don't go your way, when you are getting knocked back, when you are not having your day, when a, when a tip pass goes for a pick six, okay, when these arrows inevitably come at you, the most important thing is to not panic. The most important thing is not to snowball. The Ravens are actually quite lucky. I mean, we'll talk about injuries. I mean, these brutal games, back-to-back AFC North, I don't know how how good of an idea they are. The Browns are going to have to go play the Steelers. The AFC North beats each other up. So from a from an injury standpoint, we're, we're going to find out, you know, what's going on with everybody. But from a losing standpoint, this is the best thing you can have happen to you, that you can get rid of this. Te- you have an opportunity to get rid of this taste in four days. In four days, the Bengals are coming to your house on national TV, and you can you can make the statement that says, that game last week, it's behind us. We moved on. Now, like I said, we're going to get into everything. We got to pinpoint all the things that went wrong, give flowers to the people who deserve it. But I just like to always take a step back so that you're not I don't want to overreact to a single loss. This is the NFL. This is the AFC North. It's the best division in football. So as we look at all of this, let's just remember where we are, which is number one in the AFC North, and a big opportunity to put this game behind in four days. I think that's smart. I think that's smart. Have you played the John Harbaugh clip, his opening statement yet? I did. Okay. So I think you sense that from him, right? You sense that from him. Yeah. You sense that from Lamar in the sense they, they understand. They've been through this before. They've, they've gotten punched in the mouth. This is a, hopefully a minor piece of adversity here that they, they're dealing with at the halfway point of the season. It's now the second half stretch. And to your point, this is a short week. But you know what? Magnif- what's magnified because of the short week is potential injuries that came from this game. And you can't help but think, and you stop me if, if you've already covered a few of these things off the top, but Ronnie Stanley not only wincing, but in considerable pain on the ground, banging the turf. He looked like he was really, really banged up. Marlon Humphrey left the game after a non-contact injury, which we now know is ankle-related, right? Ronnie was a knee, and Marlon came into the game, you might remember, questionable with a hamstring that flared up on him this week. I don't know why they they pushed it if they felt like Marlon – again, this is not hamstring-related, it's separate, so I want to make that clear – but I was kind of a little bit – it was peculiar that, that they pushed it on a short week for Marlon, who's already been banged up this year. He goes down. Those are going to loom large. Uh, th- these guys are banged up coming off this game. And clearly, I thought Spencer Schultz may have said it best online, and you wonder if this is the case. Did the Ravens get away from the run game in the second half, specifically with Keaton, because of a lack of confidence at the tackles, being that they were down to second-string tackles both on the left – and right-hand side. I'll, I'll answer that because I, I definitely think that's a good point. But just go back to what you said. It was peculiar. Well, how do you know that they pushed it? Did you see any hamstring issues with him today? Did he hold it? Did he, like, pull up? How do you know that they pushed it? Well, 
I mean, he Based he on- did show up. On, he did show up on the injury report with the hamstring. Yes. So did Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell. Are we saying that they pushed it with him? We don't know the severity of his hamstring issue. So to say they pushed it, we don't know that because I didn't see any lingering issues with his hamstring personally, unless somebody else did. I'm just saying, based on the national report that I saw going into the game, that he had to clear a pregame workout with doctors in order to get cleared, which he did. He did get cleared. It just yeah. makes me think that there it, it may have been a game routine? time decision. I feel like that's pretty routine for people that are, are questionable. You know, when you get you get injured in practice, uh, maybe maybe Keith Mitchell had to clear one. I don't know. I don't know. So I, I, I don't know. I just think it's taking a slight leap. Maybe you're right. I'm not saying you're absolutely wrong. But it's definitely because sometimes leaps are right. But to me, I didn't see anything that said, oh, he shouldn't have played today from his from a hamstring point of view. That's all I'm saying. Moral of the story, these loom large going into not only a division opponent, but on a short week. And so uh, we, we all saw, we knew it was going to be a difficult task for the offensive line going up against one of the most stout fronts in the entire league, Sarah. And, and, and again, they got outmanned, outnumbered, and outplayed mm-hmm. in the trenches on, on both sides of the football today. They did. And then, uh, just by the way, one other thing on, on Marlon. Uh, I know they they, claimed, they they said it was an ankle. I'm curious if it could be his Achilles. Um, uh, so just by the way, he grabbed the back of his foot. I'm curious. I don't know if it is. So we'll see. John Harbaugh didn't have any d- updates on either one. But circling back around to, to the tackles, um, yeah, so it certainly looked to me, it appeared to me they didn't, I don't know if Todd Munkin forgot about the running game or wasn't it wasn't comfortable in it. Uh, if you bring in uh, Spencer Schultz, where is his tweet? I know you grabbed it. Yeah, you, he, he was able to go through, yeah, I'll let you find it. Yeah, go um, he, he just – it just seemed like they weren't running a lot in the second half, and that includes Keaton Mitchell. And so was that that Todd Munkin just kind of like went away from the run game because we saw that a lot under Greg Roman, or was he nervous about his tackles in the run game? Now, to be fair, the tackles weren't obviously stellar in the pass game either because – it was McCarry's man. McCarry fell, and it was his man that tipped that pass that, that had the pick six. But maybe they had more confidence in saying, you know what, we're going to pass. Uh, we're going to get some chip blockers uh, to help out to protect Lamar so he can get the ball off. And maybe they thought that was the better way to go. But unfortunately, the uh, offensive and defensive coordinators do not speak post game, so we can't ask Todd Monk in that. John Harbaugh was asked, however. And John Harbaugh said that was not the plan. It was just how play calling went. He also didn't say it was the way the game went. He just didn't really quite give much information on that. But, yeah, Spencer had had the the tweet here. Keaton Mitchell in the second half had two yards. Gus Edwards one yard. Justice Hill had that six-yard touchdown, but it wasn't official because it was nullified because of the holding. Gus another four yards, Gus the one-yard touchdown, and then Gus two yards. So there wasn't a lot going on on the ground, which may have made Todd Munkin go away from the run. I don't know. But I, what's more inexplicable to me is that there was just almost no Keaton Mitchell. We had the one, he had the one run in the third quarter for two yards. And this is after he comes off of Bobby, uh, a, a 39-yard touchdown, and then a 32-yard screen 
which was basically a run all on his part, but it was a screen. Uh, he did have one negative seven rush. Uh, he didn't catch, he didn't secure the ball in the end zone. He could have had another touchdown. It, it was right in the breadbasket. I don't know if his vision was obscured by the defender. Some people said it, the ball glazed the helmet, but uh, there was, it was certainly, certainly questions will come to Todd Munkin about where did the run game go and where did Keaton Mitchell go? Well, here's Keaton right here, post game. Jonas Schaefer caught up with him in the reporter scrum and, they asked him about his obviously, you know, slow, low activity second half, and he kept it professional. It is what it is. Whenever I get my name called, I've got to make the most of my opportunities. But here was the carry distribution overall. Lamar, eight carries, 41 yards. Keaton, just three for 34. And that long of 39, obviously, is inaccurate if he had 34 yards. No, it's because he, he had the negative oh, sorry. seven. sorry, the nullify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the negative seven. So 11.3 per <laughs> – averaged 11.3 per carry on the three. So to me, among all the pressing questions that there are, deservingly so, coming off this kind of loss, to me at the, at the tippy top is if for a guy who's earned a role, so Todd Munkin said last – Last week, after his outburst, Keaton's, how, how do you possibly, um, how do you, how do you speak for for three carries? I, I don't, I don't quite understand that, and I think that's going to be a big question go throughout this short week, especially you know when Todd is asked about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I, I just saw some some questions in the comments here. How does Lamar Jackson have eight carries? I mean. Quite a number of them were scrambles. I can look it up here in just a minute. Uh, a number of them were scrambles. I do remember one where he pulled it from Gus and he decided to run. So there are a couple of options, but I think uh, uh, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at least half of those were were scrambles. Yeah, and by the way, you know Keaton is an imperfect human being. I know we all think he walks on water. He did by the book drop a touchdown pass from Lamar, even though the DB was had great coverage, maybe even altered his vision in terms of uh, ultimately securing that football. But when this, of course, everything slow-mo, right? Looks like, oh, he should have had that. Just like, oh, that guy shouldn't have, um, you know, buried Lamar when he was technically out of bounds. All these things happen, bang, 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 you know, and we're watching it in those slow frame by frame, Sarah. So it's so easy to, to jump to conclusions sometimes, but, uh, but that, that would have been a difference maker, much like it would have been if, if Lamar had hit Zay Flowers, who had his man beat. And yet again, from a deep ball standpoint, accuracy-wise, despite being the most accurate quarterback completion percentage-wise coming into this game, uh, really Lamar's been anything but that uh, of late when it comes to uh, deep balls. Yeah, yeah. I just think that Lamar didn't have his best game overall today. Um and, 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 you know, what's going to happen is, is those that don't believe in Lamar, they're going to take this game and blow it up and be like, oh, we told you, we told you, we told you. So there's going to be Lamar haters and all of that. And, you know, we, they're just going to have to do what they want to do and make, make this into a bigger thing than it was. So while they do that, that is not what I'm doing. I feel like Lamar is um, still um, – <laughs> The straw that stirs the drink. People were talking about him. We we covered it. Fox. Everybody talking about him being uh, uh, one of the leaders in the MVP race. So, but today I didn't feel like he was his best game. He um, he, yeah. There were like especially okay. So we'll start with the second quarter pick to to Rashad Bateman. 
So this came off of that big hit, which was clearly out of bounds. It was, there the, we go. It was the play after. You're right. So first there was this play, uh, clearly out of bounds, and he was rocked. Like he got, <laughs> he was rocked and went flying out of uh, out of bounds. I mean, he clearly is hit. Um, I, I don't know. Would other quarterbacks get that call? I was personally super annoyed by Jonathan Vilma. Um, really throughout the game, Bobby, I was very close to muting it because he was calling that game from a Cleveland Brown slant pretty much the whole day. I mean, just like if the Ravens were ahead and the Ravens were ahead big, here the whole the whole commentary was about how Cleveland can come back. And then if it's Cleveland who had momentum on their side and were coming back, it was just like, oh my gosh, Deshaun Watson, he's this in Joku, and I mean, just oh, just nonstop. Like, just felt like it felt like a preseason game, Bobby, where you were listening to their home radio call. That's the way it felt. Just all day with Jonathan Jonathan Vilma, and it was. Also here where it first kind of like got mostly annoying to me. Well, if you're going to be a runner, if you're going to be a runner, you got to get ready to be hit like a runner. What, what, does quarterbacks have a different rule from running backs and wide receivers? Because I'm pretty sure if those guys get hit out of bounds too, that should also be a flag. So whatever, I can have grace for, for refs. It's bang, bang, it's fast. And maybe it didn't look like he was out of bounds when the hit came. It, it obviously was out of bounds, but just the way he called it annoyed me. So Anyway, then it went on to the next play was the interception. Now, as you can, can see here, uh, I've circled the ball because it's hard to see. And Rashad Bateman is like way the other way. So initially, um, I thought that there was a miscommunication. And I thought that Lamar Jackson was expecting some sort of comeback route. He did point to himself after it happened and, you know, taking blame himself. But then after the game... He explained that it wasn't a miscommunication. It wasn't a miscommunication of which route you were running. He said he just underthrew the ball. He said that uh, there wasn't enough power and velocity on it, so he took the blame there. He, By the way, also when people asked, how did you guys lose the lead instead of pointing the finger at the defense or anything like that, he said he pointed to the pick six, and he didn't blame it on his offensive lineman or anything like that. So he took responsibility for you know his – his misfires, his mishaps. So I just felt like it wasn't the best game for him. Just a couple different things because we just went all we were a bunch yeah, of different sorry. topics in sorry. that. Sorry, I got off on the Jonathan Vilma <laughs> thing, so you can get in on either Lamar or Vilma. My my bad. I was just going to talk about Lamar, but then it just reminded me how annoyed I was. No, no, no. It's all good. I know a lot of people felt the same way about Vilma. Maybe I just wasn't as locked into that. I did think that he was. He loves himself some Deshaun Watson. That's for sure. He yeah, loves yes, himself he some Deshaun Watson. But uh, I was actually okay with this call. I thought it was bang, bang. I, I thought it's so easy to make make conclusions about, again, frame by frame, slow-mo. And uh, Lamar is a runner, obviously. He was out of bounds when he when this, this, this hit was delivered. Uh, and he took this blow. And by the way, this wasn't the only blow he took. Kind of alluding to what we just said a, a little while ago. He, he took some big hits today. A couple from Miles Garrett. Miles was all over the field as per usual, uh, but I was I was fine with with this play. I just think this is tough. This is a really tough call. I thought I thought it could have gone either way. We could have the conversation about what what type of quarterbacks get it and don't get it around the league. But to me, that's that's you know neither here nor there. 
Um, but but Lamar, he 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 withstood some blows today. Before we continue, today's post game show is exclusively sponsored by our friends at CyberTech. They are a next generation local recruiting, resourcing, and outsourcing firm. A new way to acquire resources is what they're all about. And whether you're in need of new hires, contingent staff, or just seeking to outsource a business or technical function, CyberTech is the organization for you. If you're in need of resources and candidates and don't have the time to sift through dozens of resumes, CyberTech is a company that really understands your needs and presents candidates that are not in the open market within a 48-hour period. CyberTech has over 40 years of combined experience in working with some of the largest organizations both in the Baltimore area and nationally. So if you find yourself interested, maybe it's a good fit. You'll have a chance to meet myself, Sarah, and the CyberTech team for a virtual introduction. You can get started today by scanning the QR code in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, or if you're on the audio-only side of things, send an email to the one that we have included in the top of the show notes below. Thank you to CyberTech for believing in what we're building. Where to next? Uh, Let's see here. I'll just say, I guess I'll say this. I brought in this graphic because I there, there was so much talk about who had the better defense, right? We came into um, the game just like debating who had the best defense. I put out a tweet Saturday talking about where the Ravens were like the NFL best. It was like in seven different categories, including points per game and sacks and, uh, you know, yards per pass and on and on and on and on and on. And so, you know, we talked with um, Jake from ESPN Cleveland said, you know, who's the best, who's the best defense. And he said, we're going to find out Bobby to me, the first half Ravens seemed to be proving they were the better defense. They started out with that pick six, uh, you know, limited Cleveland to field goals uh, even when they started in good field position but I felt like in that second half, it was the Cleveland defense that really pulled ahead and put an exclamation point on this game. And uh, and then the Ravens defense on those long drives just couldn't stop the Browns offense, whether it was because Deshaun Watson was wiggling out of sacks or because they had the middle of the open middle of the field wide open for these 15 yard gains. Um, or their running backs just running between the tackles and getting the yards they needed to just keep churning out the clock. Um, it just felt like to me on this day, it was the Cleveland Browns defense that came out on top. What do you think? And I think along those lines, we do have to give Cleveland credit. <laughs> not that we're mm-hmm. shying away from that whatsoever. I mean, they capitalized not always with touchdowns, but they always capitalized on the Ravens turnovers today, and they just hung around. They trailed the Ravens 40 seconds into the game, okay, and did not lead until the game-winning field goal that Hopkins put through as time expired. This is new information from ESPN Stats and Info on Twitter. Jameson Hensley tweeted it. Cleveland trailed for 59 minutes and 20 seconds, the most in a win since at least 2000. So whether it was Deshaun Watson being slippery, right, whether it was timely defensive playmaking, uh, how how stout are they? I mean, yeah, they just. I mean, it, both teams, both teams, both both teams. Deep. I mean, it was a high scoring game. Certainly, I, I was so far off in my prediction. Classic as usual, <laughs> but but it was a high scoring one. And as you tweeted during the game, there is a brand of football that it's starting to become a trend, or maybe it's long past starting. It is a trend between Cleveland and Baltimore uh, that these there are just highly entertaining, high drama games. 
You go back to when Lamar had to leave the game with cramps, right? I mean, there's just there's there's, there's been so many epic battles between these two. And now Cleveland is sitting at a position where they are very much in the conversation for this division. There is great parity here. But to your point earlier on, don't press the panic button because the Ravens still have they still have their bye week. Right. They still have time to get this thing together. And uh, but but given the parity, given how balanced this division is, given Pittsburgh going nowhere, they're not going anywhere. They're, they're, they are right in the thick of it. Crazy enough. They've been outgained for nine straight weeks, I'm pretty sure. And still, by the way, this is the actual stat from Brooke Pryor. The Steelers were outgained for their ninth consecutive game today. 399 to 324 <laughs> in yardage. OK, yet this team sits six and three. So if you think right. that they're going into you know desolate land, think again. This is major, major balance. There's, there's anything can happen this in this division, and that's why I don't, I don't think this is hyperbole. It feels as if Thursday night at the bank is almost in must-win territory for the Ravens, given, given this division, given the strength of schedule, the difficulty of schedule for the Ravens opponents-wise down the stretch. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that. I do. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> oh, only because, listen, obviously it's it's going to be a massive, massive game. Um, I mean, absolutely massive. Uh, and like I said, in terms of momentum and, um, you know, just keeping, I mean, just, but this, this division we should know is going to cannibalize itself. The Ravens don't have what the Chiefs have, which is like a Broncos and a Raiders and a Chargers division. You don't have that. And yet the Chiefs lost to the Broncos. So, uh, listen, I do think it's massive, but if the Ravens lost that and we're sitting here after week 11 and they're going to have a mini buy and then a big buy, um, and there's and, and then by then, what, they, they fall to, they would be tied in first. Maybe they'd be losing some tiebreakers, but they'd still be tied in first. So to me, to call it a must-win game, I wouldn't call it that. I do think it's an important game. I think it's a huge game to to like try to pull ahead in this division. But I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a must-win game personally. But look, these are all just adjectives. These are fun things to talk about on podcasts and national TV and all that kind of stuff. So um so so yeah, it'll be it'll be a big game. It'll be a, a game where the Ravens can totally just change the feeling that we're feeling right now just totally put this game behind and and move on so but i i do feel like the further and further we go on in this this season the more i feel like all four teams are from the afc north are going to make the playoffs i mean honestly because all last week we were talking about oh the Bengals are gaining traction the Bengals are coming alive they're gonna and so it was like we you know people still feeling like the Bengals could win the division and counting on the Steelers or the Browns to stumble because of what we see on the Steelers offense or because the Browns traditionally have always stumbled. But so far, that's not the case. All four could very well still make it. There's an interesting trend as I sort of shift gears here, developing in Baltimore this season, which is very uncharacteristic and pretty concerning. And it has to do with a phase that's John Harbaugh's bread and butter because it's where he cut his teeth. I'm talking about special teams. What is up with the gaff, Sarah? This has been really, really surprising. Justin Tucker had a 55-yard field goal blocked 
blocked by Cleveland. He's now had a punt and a field goal blocked this season. Okay. He's also had an extra point blocked. And I'm sorry, well, meaning meaning Jordan Stout has had a punt blocked. But special teams has been an area of dominance. Here you have it in the moments leading up and actually right, right before impact. This is a weird, weird trend developing. I cannot imagine John Harbaugh and Chris Horton are very pleased with this because this has always, throughout his 16 years, been a mainstay, something that you can count on, something that you can hang your hat on. And lately, it's been a liability. Crazy. It is crazy. This one, I was like, it's funny because I started seeing tweets about, you know, how Justin Tucker hasn't had his best season, and he hasn't. But it's also like not Tucker's fault when he – sometimes it can be the kicker's fault when they get kicked. But, I mean, this one, Cleveland and Zeitler just let 96 through. Jordan, what's his name? Um, But, yeah, they just let 96 through. And it felt like – there we go, Jordan Elliott. It felt like, as you can see in this picture, Zeitler just never got up, like, after the snap. Like, do you see that? Like, he's like, I watched it, like, three or four times. Like, I don't know if he just got pushed down and couldn't get up, but Zeitler just never seemed to, like, get up from the snap and to help block Jordan Elliott. So, yeah, that was that was brutal. At the same time, though, there was a moment there when James Prochet muffed his punt, and how crazy was that, Bobby? Because I, I, you know, you know, we're, sorry. Go ahead, <laughs> keep going. Oh, well, like Devin Duvernay's like right in his face, and these two, did they get did they get drafted the same year? And they're like in the wide receiver room together, and it just is like it's just it's just crazy because Bro- Prochet didn't make the fifty three man roster because of moments like these. It just felt like. He, he was so solid in practice, solid in some of the games, but then it would be these high leverage plays where like something bad would go wrong. And then it was just, it was almost, I don't know what the word is. It just was ironic that like, here it is happening. You finally get back on an NFL team. He had been kind of sitting on the street for a while, finally gets on the 53 man roster and it's against your former team your chance to like show that you still belong. And then it was like your draft mate in Denver Duvernay, who's right there and you muff it and Devin recovers it. And, and there was, I had two feelings simultaneously, Bobby. One feeling was the Ravens made the right choice to move on. The second feeling was, holy crap. I feel bad for James Prochet. That was, you my know, first like I, I don't want his NFL career to be over, but once you've been cut, and you actually get a second chance and this happens, it's hard to get a third, fourth, or fifth chance. So, um, yeah, I just felt bad for him. And I know you did too because I think you tweeted about it. That that was my gut reaction as soon as I watched it. And then I went back to the days where I was in radio or where I had access and I would go to training camp, right? And I would watch everything really thoroughly because I was just getting started out in Baltimore. Now – they came, Duve and, and James came in, like you said, in, in 2020 as draft classmates. And the reason why James was never able to break in as a consistent returner was because of Devin. Devin won that job. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. I think I watched, like, why that was the case. 
James has tracking issues. And so I remember watching practice after practice. He would just have a hard time with the process of tracking footballs on the way into catch. And Devin just was so sound, so consistent with it, that it was an easy job for him to win out of camp. But how wildly ironic is it that the guy who is there and the one that wouldn't allow for him to win the job is not only the guy bearing down on him at impact when the football is coming down, but he's also the one that recovers the football. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, James had just, yeah. It's like story. It's like movie stuff. You know what I mean? You don't, you can't make it up. you, You cannot make this stuff up. And I'm watching, I'm like, that is literally the, the exact issue he was having years ago as a rookie and as a second-year player trying to somehow find a role in Baltimore. And so that was a major swing for the Ravens, right? You're thinking, oh, here's a swing. There's always there's always swings of momentum in a game. And obviously the pick six for Cleveland in, in crunch time was a huge one, but I thought that was the break that the Ravens would need to not right. look back. And ultimately that wasn't the case. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, there was a few times where I thought it was like, okay, the Ravens took, I thought the Ravens had taken some blows and then absorbed them and kind of moved on. So that was one of the, one of the places where it was like, holy moly, he muffed it. And it took, by the way, 10 tries to get into the end zone, like 10 literal tries. The, the official stat count is seven tries to get in the end zone because of all the flags 
that nullified certain plays or whatever, but it took 10 tries to get in. But I was like, all right, they took some blows. They absorbed them. They're going to be able to move on. Um, that was one of them. And the other time, if I can find it here, was the OBJ. Here we go. It was the OBJ slant taking it to the house. So um, that drive coming out of the third quarter because the Browns had such a great second quarter, it was like, all right, are the Ravens going to come out and reestablish the dominance? And and then they come out, they have this drive where they go for 78 yards. And Lamar Jackson, by the way, accounts for all 78 of those yards because he had two rushes uh, for 13 yards. He was three for four for 65 and then hit that slant. OBJ knew he was taking it to the house. I love that he and Zay had this pre-planned uh, celebration together. Um, so I'm like, all right, the Ravens, the Ravens, got this they're like we didn't think that the browns were going to go lightly right they're 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 too good of a defense they're too good of a team they got watson back they're not going to just lay down once they you know went off to this 14-0 lead and i thought they put in you know the best ever and then so yeah that play and then Prochet, i was like okay the ravens took some punch punches but they're punching back and they're going to win this it was just like and then to know the outcome, but I was feeling so good after those touchdowns. Well, you should have been. You know, you should have been. And great. Look, yeah. I, we're we're holding this team accountable based on what we just watched over the last few hours, right? And this has been a pretty, not critical, but realistic first forty minutes, right? There are still positives to talk about coming off this game. And to yep. me, being that it's the second half now, being that there's a crisp chill in the air, it's November football. To me, seeing Odell. With breakaway speed mm-hmm. on a slant that looked like he was a New York Giant years ago in the early 2010s, that to me was incredibly encouraging. Look at what he did. Hit a, a top speed of 19.92 miles an hour, 34 yards after the catch. Look at, look at the yak over expected, plus 29. Matter of fact, that 19.92 miles an hour he was clocked at, that's the fastest speed as a ball carrier since 2021, week 14, and the second fastest on any play this season. So we know he's on the other side of 30 now. We know it's been an underwhelming first half. We know he's been banged up a little bit. But, Sarah, if you're looking for something to hold your hat on and be encouraged on coming off this game, it's perhaps what OBJ can be for this team, playmaking-wise, explosiveness, doing things that he hasn't done in a long time to the crib. Are you kidding? And he's putting up deuces on the way into the end zone. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, is this what is this? Five years ago? It was good to see. And that's something that's it's, it's encouraging. Yeah, there's there's that. It's good to see Odell. He has touchdowns in back-to-back games. So that that part's encouraging. Uh by the way, with his 19.92 speed, what was what did Keaton Mitchell get up to today on his touchdown run? I feel like it was like 20 something. So I think he was just short of 21. I think he was 20 point something. So you know, not bad for the 31-year-old. Uh, the other positive, since we've, we're like 40, 40 minutes into the show and we're finally talking about the positive. So, um, but yeah, Kyle Hamilton with that initial on the second play of the game, the pick six, um, it was, uh, I believe that he broke a streak. Do I have that stat here? I don't think well, I have it you get that, broke a streak. Okay. I, I, I don't think I pulled it in, but there was like a streak of, 20 some odd or or longer, much longer, like a, a streak of the last time a um, 
the defense scored a touchdown. So bringing that back, a lot of people. So oh, you got it. So yeah, sorry. So so the pick six ended the Raven streak of 27 games without a defensive touchdown, the longest active one in the NFL. And just on top of that, Rod Woodson, Hall of Famer, former Raven, calls the games with Jerry Sandusky. Literally right out of the gate. I'm still driving back from the BMO around town tailgate. I hadn't even gotten out of the car yet. And this happens. <laughs> and Rod says, that's one of the best plays I've ever seen individually. And I quote, by the way, I was told by a local radio affiliate within the last couple of weeks, the number 14 is not a playmaker. Ever since that topic, <laughs> it ain't aging that well, Saris. Kyle's been all over the field. This dude had a great game. And if Rod Woodson's saying it's one of the greatest plays he's ever seen individually, hat tip to number 14. Good stuff. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, and you don't want to like – John John Harbaugh was asked about it, and John had the, the right reaction. He was like – yeah, you know, it's nice to have a streak broken like that, and that's definitely good for Kyle Hamilton individually. But he goes, I'm sure Kyle would prefer it in a win. It's hard to celebrate it in a loss, you know? So maybe down it's the road he'll be able to – It's hard to ask that question. It is hard to ask that question. I think it's because it was such a long streak. I mean, 27 games, how many – that's like almost two years, right? Two seasons worth. Yeah. So uh, anyway, and I'm sure Kyle had similar things. He's like, yeah, that's nice, but we lost, so – too bad for Gino. Uh, yeah. He had his seventh interception of the season in his hands, basically, before <laughs> Kyle collided with them on that that Hail Mary at the end of the first half. That's too bad. He almost had it. <laughs> he almost he almost had it. Um, speaking of little streaks, I think Matabike got up to, yeah, eight and a half sacks on the season. So uh, good on him for that. How many sacks did the Ravens Sarah, end up with? He, he's Go having ahead. an all-pro season. All right. He's having Justin an all-pro season. In his contract year, Justin Matabike is having a, a all-pro caliber season. It's incredibly timely for him. The Ravens have needed that shot in the arm defensively up front. They're getting contributions from other guys that we've talked about uh, who, who have filled veteran roles admirably, right? Did Kyle Van Noy and Jadavian Clowney have the greatest game ever today, especially Kyle, who was flagged for unnecessary roughness, uh, got beat a couple times in space? No, but Jadavian was banged up really badly and like around the elbow or so. He got stuck in the middle of a pile, left the game, came back in. He was pretty disruptive and energized, it felt like, against his former team, Sarah. But, uh, but again, not the best day defensively. It's hard to really you – know, you can pinpoint a couple of these specific plays like Kyle right out of the gate. Uh, but just overall, I can't imagine it's going to be a fun watch in the film room because Deshaun Watson, again, he was very slippery and slithery. Yet They had him dead to rights many times, and he was able to get away. So um, just a very uncharacteristically poor performance. Uh, it was just tackling-wise, general by principle – tackling polished lack of polish definitely what's funny is like the ravens did end with four sacks here Clowney having two of them um so those four sacks is probably plenty enough to keep them in the lead of leading in in the sack category in the entire league um but but speaking of the kyle van Noy one and i tweeted this i was i was annoyed by him getting that um penalty afterwards like for sure the refs missed um the blind, side, the blind block. side block and then a potential taunting, by the way, because I don't believe you're supposed to just stand over a guy that you just knocked down and stared him. Uh, 
I'm pretty sure that that's correct in NFL. I know it is in college. Um, so the refs missed it. And then Kyle, he, he went and got the personal foul, gives him 15 yards. And all of a sudden they're in the red zone. You give them an easy chip shot for three points. And at the, at the time, it didn't seem like that big of a deal because the Ravens had such a lead, but the Ravens lost and ended up losing by two points. I mean, all those things matter. He's a veteran. Yes. Still love him. Still my guy out of BYU. But like, deal with it between the whistles. Deal with yes. it then. Not when it's so easily seen by refs. Like, let them let them know then. And so, like, it's just it's little things like that. And the veterans should know better. The, those things, yes. especially in the division game. I don't care that you're up fourteen nothing or whatever it was at the time, seventeen, whatever. Like, be smarter. You're smarter than that. I know Kyle's smarter than that. Yes. And you know what's interesting, too? To your point, at that time, they're out of the gate so quickly with the defensive touchdown and then the quick touchdown offensively. And you're thinking, oh, that 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 won't come back to bite them. But you also file it away. And when the Browns start to hang around, they're capitalizing off of turnovers. They're, they're there. You start to go back to little plays like that. And they're magnified. Those mm-hmm. types of things are magnified. The, the blocked uh, field goal is magnified, right? The unnecessary roughness call not you know not having an emotional intelligence or he has plenty of emotional intelligence but in that moment losing your yeah. emotional intelligence right which we all have done in the heat of battle uh, those are magnified and so yeah it's uh, it's it's too bad it's like you know no doubt it was a blindside block but mm-hmm. file it away you know and and he's been so really productive for the ravens Very. since they brought yeah. him in in season right and unfortunately for him uh, that he's he's gonna he's probably gonna have a tough time looking back at that. You know, Clowney again. He, he and OBJ were were game captains going up against their former team, right? And, and Clowney was was pretty disruptive today, and 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 he was banged up. They gave him a lot of credit. One thing one thing that your Jonathan Vilma boy did was give them a, a him a ton of credit in terms of uh, just what he's been doing, sipping from the fountain of youth for Baltimore this year. All right, so we got any uh, comments or anybody going to call it? A lot of people call in after wins. Not, not so sure after losses. We'll see. You got a link for them? Just a couple other positive things. Zay Flowers tied Torrey Smith's uh, Ravens franchise record for most receptions by a rookie with 50. So congratulations to Zay. He was putting guys on skates yet again, which is a weekly occurrence. Um, he, he, I would say he was one of those guys today that, again, a bright spot, Sarah. Which one was? I'm trying to look at comments to get people pulled in. Which one was the bright spot? Zay? Zay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zay, yeah. Uh, yep. He was, and I was – let me look at his totals here. Zay Flowers, um, five receptions, 73 yards. It's funny, coming into the game, I had seen somewhere that, like, again, Odell Beckham Jr. was, like, you know, pumping him up, gassing him up, you know, giving him some love. He's like, I feel like this could be a 100, 100-yard game, you know? Not not – Terribly far off, 73 there. Mark Andrews, I felt like, was um, very limited. Um, I know that the Browns' defense has shown that they are uh, good against tight ends throughout the league, and they definitely were not going to let Mark Andrews go off. He had uh, two catches for 44. So just ah, just not a lot of offense going on overall outside of that first half, really. And again, you know, just, just in case those out there think we're not doing it enough, you do have to tip your cap to Cleveland. Yes, we, we are yep. doing that. You know, the Browns, the Browns play, played a heck of a game. They hung around. They won in the trenches, 
right? They won the third third down efficiency battle. I talk about the three T's this week. Whoever's going to win third down efficiency, the turnover battle, um, and uh, and time of possession probably have a decent chance to win the game. Well, the Browns did two of the three. They tied the turnover battle. They won the third down battle, and they won time of possession by a large margin. Mm-hmm. So you know if, if you're if you're getting two of those three categories, yeah, you're probably controlling the game. And and ultimately, Cleveland hung around, and even though they barely led, literally had not led until, until zero. The field goal. Yeah, until yeah, basically <laughs> one second on the clock. Yeah. So, anyway, all right. Our segment that we, we began in the what's we that? We do sir? have a lot of callers. They're all out. ready to rip. They're ready to rip. We'll answer them in terms of when they chimed in. So Justin. You're first, then Wes, then Chef Trezzy, and then Terry, all right? Appreciate you guys. Keep it to hopefully 30 seconds so that we can get in as many people as possible. Let us know where you're from. And one thing you want to talk about coming off this, uh, again, I think you can call it a collapse. It was a fourth-quarter collapse, 14 points they had. I know that's a little dramatic, but it was a collapse. Justin, welcome inside the vault, brother. How are you? Hey, what's going on, Bobby, Sarah? Calling again from Northeast PA. Love you guys. Look, 30 seconds, it's 10 seconds apiece. Offensively, Munkin, what are you doing? Mitchell was lightning in a bottle. Give the kid the ball. <laughs> Harbaugh said he wasn't hurt. It was, he just wasn't part of the game plan in the postgame presser, which is mind-boggling. All right, skip over that. Defense, last drive of the game. O- Odafe comes through like a superhero, gets a strip sack. It's second and 15. We give up 17 yards and make it a third and two. We get them off the field right there. I mean, I know Sarah's talking about Van Noy's little, those little things that you put the microscope on. Like, that's huge, giving up 17 on third. That's insane. And then special teams, man. Like you said, you guys have discussed this thoroughly, so I'm just regurgitating. But it's like from the best – standard in the nfl to bot scraping the bottom of the barrel what are we 28th or 29th in special teams it's it's just hard 13th coming in yeah well i it's just to see that and it's like james prochet man i'm sorry i loved you here but he tried to help us out he tried to give us one back you know what i mean and it just didn't help us out so it's like i don't know if munkin doesn't understand afc north like the Lions and the Seahawks, we can get cute. We can try to run sideways and do all that stuff. But AFC North, you have to go up the middle. Everybody has edge guys that are phenomenal in the AFC North. And we don't stand a chance trying to be cute against these guys. It's ground and pound, punch them in the mouth, you know what I mean, and, and play D. And that's my opinion. Look, I think we'll bounce back against Cincy, hopefully. And this ain't the end of the world, but this was a tough one to swallow. Love you guys. Thanks for the call, brother. As Thank always, you. always one of the first, Justin Holt. That, that was a good point on the one that we really didn't talk about where, like, there was a sack strip. They could have won it, but the Ravens didn't recover. Adafi like, came that was, flying in there and absolutely buried Deshaun. I mean, He was him. about to be the hero of the game, yeah. but it wasn't recovered. Could you imagine if that was recovered? I mean, Bobby, that's the game. That's the game. It's yes. crazy. Absolutely, without question. Before we get to U.S., our returning patrons, these guys are supporting everything we're building here inside the channel, and we appreciate them. Jaron Fonville and Christopher Saxe, thank you both for believing in what we're building. If you're interested in doing the same, visit the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering this month here inside the channel. All right, Wes, where are you from? What do you want to talk about? 
Hey, what's up, guys? Colin from Houston. Um, this game kind of reminded me of Arizona a few weeks ago where, like, just nothing was really working on any three phases of the ball. I think the difference this week was Cleveland's just a better team, so we weren't able to hold them off. Um, I saw somebody post on Twitter, and I thought it was a good point that it's better to look yourself in the mirror now in week 11 or 10 or whatever it is than week one in the playoffs that we had to do in 2019 and get blown out or, you know, lose the game. Um, I, I looked back because, like you said, Bobby, this was a fourth quarter collapse, and it seems to be a trend, and it was something I kind of hinted to after the Pittsburgh loss, but I looked back since 2012, we've had um, 32 fourth quarter losses. We've led in the fourth quarter and ended up losing the game. 32 of those, only two seasons since then have we not had multiple in a season. That was 2019 for obvious reasons, and then 2013, we just really weren't all that good. I think last year was we had the most. We had five. So, I mean, ha I mean, you won half of those games. You really – you can put yourself in the playoffs. You can put yourself in better positioning seating-wise and home game-wise. Uh, it, it seems to be a bad trend, and I don't – it just it doesn't seem like it's something that's getting fixed. Wes, where did you find that stat? So I went through ESPN just since 2012 and looked through all of our losses and found out when we were, you know, went through the fourth quarter if we were leading. And then if we ended up losing the game, I just, you know, marked it off. Huh. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah, we're going to definitely talk about that because I, I've seen a lot of people talking about that as well, Sarah, as as something that in terms of, you know, John Harbaugh's, um, I guess, resume, that and some of the clock management gaffes are at the top of, of the list where some folks are just, um, making sure to, to to speak that. Yeah, like I definitely feel like in the past um, there's fourth quarter meltdowns that also went into like clock management and all that. I don't feel like that was the issue today. No, not I at felt all. like today. Yeah, yeah. I felt like today it was more just like uh, I think again that yeah the pick six and the defense not being able to get a stop and and going away from from Keaton Mitchell I think were the big big three three there and then just things like just not going your way like the Odafe Owe six strap um, sack strip and you can't you can't get it back but I agree it feels like it goes back to I think it's the final slide in here that you are leading games this was this is in the middle I think of the third quarter that they put this up but time spent trailing this season Ravens just 28 minutes then Chiefs are second at 80 minutes. So when you're ahead for that long, you just, ugh, you know that you're losing in the fourth quarter. Got to figure that out. That is an absurd statistic. Look at that. Lopsided, lopsided to say the very least. All right, Chef Trez, back to the lines we go. Where are you at? What do you want to talk about, man? Um, what's happening, guys, from uh, calling from Baltimore or anything? Um, I just got two quick questions to ask you guys. Um, one, with the special teams, I mean, um, I don't think I've really seen a Ravens special team unit. Um, I think earlier in the season they were kind of hurting on covering uh, punt returns and a little bit of kick returns. Um, now it's, you know, they're they're giving up really bad just coverage in terms of, like, trying to protect Justin Tucker and let him, you know, give him enough time, enough space to make the kicks. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, I feel as though John Harbaugh, um, sometimes I feel like he's not really feeling the game in terms of um, when to call the timeout for, you know, in the, the instance where I think it was the third quarter or so, or excuse me, the fourth quarter. Um, 
the play clock didn't reset to the 25 seconds. It was ticking down. Um, obviously, we got to delay a game. Lamar went to go talk to the refs and everything. But I felt as though, you know, John Harbaugh, he should have called a timeout there or, you know, at the very least put Keaton Mitchell back in, you know, give this offense a little bit more juice. Appreciate the call, Chef. You know, look, I, I have a hard time blaming John Harbaugh's management today. I think we just kind of said that, Sarah, in terms of, you know, what the what the key areas were. Um, you know, in the past, there's there's no question. I, what was it, the India, Indianapolis game where where we talked about the clock management or lack yeah, thereof yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. really was, was a major, major pivotal turning point in the game, a factor in it. Today, I just – I don't even know if it's – it's worth um, putting in there as a factor, you know? Yeah. Like it, it, to me, it more felt like regardless of where he called him because he, he used them, he used them all trying to like find a way to, to save time. Um, to me, it was like, as long as you keep giving up those first downs, it's not going to matter. You know what I mean? It's not going to matter when you call it. I mean, if, if Cleveland's going to keep getting these first downs, um, yeah, so I don't I don't know if there was more to, to his question there, but to me it didn't seem like the biggest issue. I do agree with him, obviously, which we've talked about as special teams. And this is why it's funny. Like people will get so angry when you make fifty-three man roster to skip decisions based off of special teams. And it's like, but this is why you do it. This is why you do it. So uh, now in this case with the with the the blocked uh, the blocked field goal, that's like. Zeitler not getting up and, and, you know, Ben Cleveland, it's just like, that's crazy. The, the, the Zeitler's a guy that like you, you rely on week in and week out. That's playing at, at a high level. So, uh, but yeah, special teams overall, it's all in these different places too. It's whether Tucker misses it or there's a block kick or you like the coverage is bad or whatever. I mean, it's just in all these different areas that that has got to get cleaned up. Someone in the live chat saying that I cut cut chef trez off quick because he was talking about john look <laughs> we're not john harbaugh do you want to do you like, want to call back in maybe he's well, got maybe he wants to explain it more well first yeah first and foremost i didn't mean to cut him off if he was finished obviously yeah. uh, we're trying to get as many people in as we can and so terry you're coming up in just a second here but but we're never going to be john harbaugh apologists uh sarah's on record for saying how much of an affinity and respect that she has for him which i have absolutely zero problem on and we're going to talk about it when he was um, had a major role in the outcome. And today, I don't think that was the case. So it's, no. it's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> Terry, we'll get to you in, in just a second. Today's postgame show, though, is exclusively sponsored by CyberTech, which is a next-generation local recruiting, resourcing, and outsourcing firm. A new way to acquire resources is what they're all about. Whether you're in need of new hires, contingent staff, or just seeking to outsource a business or technical function, CyberTech is the organization for you. If you're in need of resources and candidates and don't have the time to sift through dozens of resumes, CyberTech is a company that really understands your needs and presents candidates that are not in the open market within a 48-hour period. CyberTech has over 40 years of combined experience in working with some of the largest organizations, both in the Baltimore area and nationally. So if you think you'll be a good fit, Hop on the phone, meet myself, Sarah, and the CyberTech team for a virtual introduction by scanning the QR code in the upper right-hand corner that I have there now. And if you're on the audio-only side, you can just go to the show notes where you can get started via email. Again, that can be found in the top of the show notes. Huge thank you to CyberTech for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore. Terry, I already know where you're from, north of the border, baby. Thanks for being with us again. What do you want to talk about today? Okay. 
<laughs> so I want to talk about a couple things. First of all, all you hardball bashers, let me tell you, like, who are you going to go get that's any better? Nobody right now. <laughs> you know what? He doesn't. He's not perfect, but I can tell you right now, he's good. And McDonald accountable today. I can tell you that right now. I believe that with all my heart. Munkin, number one. We had double-digit leads the whole game, and you gave it up by not running the ball. How many passes did you throw? Stop that shit. <laughs> uh, Terry, Terry, try walking to a different room. Chef Trez, I'm sorry, brother. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, I'm just no, trying no. to get as many people in as possible. No, it's it's all good. Um, I guess to clarify a little bit what I was saying about uh, hardball, um, again, I'm not bagging hardball. I think, again, you know, usage of timeouts was good. I think really, um, I think we're at like fourth quarter or somewhere closer around there. I think it was like a third and two or something like that. And we ended up, or excuse me, fourth and two, we ended up taking a uh, delay a game. Um, I think, again, a little bit screwy because the clock didn't, um, the play clock didn't reset uh, to the full 25 seconds. Um, because there was a Browns player that was down that was just kind of eating up some of that play uh, or game clock. I think it was Zardarius, uh, right? Yeah, I believe I believe yeah. it was that. And so I understand that some of like the, the inner head coach, you know, playing either, you know, tell a player to like go down, waste a little bit of time or something. But I think that's just one of the things where maybe feel out the game and just like, okay, it doesn't look like they're fully set. It doesn't look like our offense is ready. Um, Lamar hasn't, you know, finished all of his checks or something. Let's call a timeout reset. So I think that's really the only thing where I'm saying, maybe calling a timeout okay. that could have extended it a little bit and kept the drive going. That could have really helped the offense and maybe, you know, keep okay, the ball. So you were, you were talking about a timeout when the Ravens were on offense with that delay of game. I thought you meant right. at the end of the game when they no, were no, trying no. to stop the clock. Okay. No, no, <laughs> right. no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Yeah. I, Hey, I, I still believe in John Harbaugh. Um, I mean, he's really done a great job to be honest. Um, there have been some, some stretches where it's just like, come on, John, what are you doing? You know, you're super, uh, super bowl winning head coach, you know what you're doing. But I, th I just think at this point with this game, um, mm -hmm. I think that was definitely a time to call a timeout um, just to give that offense a little reset because they needed it. Um, but, it, you know, it didn't happen. It is what it is. But yeah, and, 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 and maybe he could have. Maybe he could have. Uh, um, I don't know who's watching or who's supposed to get the ref's attention on that or, or whatnot. Now, if he had used it there, it would have been – third and a nine or 10 instead of third and 14 or something like that? Um, I can't uh, fully fully remember, but I'm pretty sure uh, I thought we were I, a little bit closer to that first down. Um, that's why well, it's I, a I, more crucial. To your point, Lamar, because Lamar scrambled on that, and I think he would have gotten the first down if it weren't for the penalty that put them back five yards. So I felt like it went from like a three and nine to third and 14. So, so maybe, maybe it would have made the difference at the same time. You just would have had less there at the end when you were trying to like, you know, stop the Browns and, and stop, you know, so that's why I still have a hard time being like, God, oh, it was a, it was a massive one. But to your point, when you lose, you start to look at all these different instances and be like, Oh, could that have been the difference? Could that have been the difference? So, right. yeah. Hey, you know, we love you, right? <laughs> Uh, go ahead, boot me off the show, Bobby. I know it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> See you, brother. Thanks for calling Appreciate in, man. Appreciate you. <laughs>
That's good right there. Sarah, yeah, I, I want to take a minute, if you don't mind, just tell people what we have um, working on right now with with the Baltimore Hunger Project, if, if you're cool with that. Yeah, go so, for it. So we're, we're really excited to be working with, uh, through one of my brand partners on my personal channel, Clean Cuisine, which is a meal prep company based in, Stevens, uh, based in uh, Owings Mills, right near Stevenson University. They're working with Baltimore Hunger Project to feed families that are in need in the Baltimore area this Thanksgiving, this holiday season. And so I, I got involved this past week. Then you and I started brainstorming. We, we had some support from some of our amazing, amazing community members here. And what we have here basically is if you donate any kind of uh, anything, $5, $75, whatever, $500 to, to our fundraiser, you are going to be automatically thrown into a pot, a raffle for Ravens tickets. We have six total tickets, three games, December 10th against the Rams, New Year's Eve against Miami, and the regular season finale against the Steelers. And it's section 117, lower bowl, A1 seats. Like, these are really, really good seats. And so all you have to do, you can donate through Venmo or Cash App like you see up on the screen. Or you can go to the description of this video. I have the direct link to the fundraiser, which is through my Instagram. And when you get, when you donate and subscribe to the vault, you're automatically thrown into this raffle. And basically, what we're most excited about is that I set a goal, Sarah, on the first day before I even had you involved. I think I was just going to do it on my own mm -hmm. of $1,000. And we hit it in under 24 hours. Nice. So we're just going to continue to, to to raise those goals and see how we can do through November 16th. You have till November 16th. And again, if you subscribe to the vault and donate any amount, you're going to automatically be, be thrown into this raffle for those games. A $75 donation, just keep in mind, feeds a family of six. Okay. So anyway, just wanted to say thanks to Baltimore Hunger Project for all the selfless work they do in the area. I wanted to say thanks to Clean Cuisine. And I wanted to say thanks to all of you already. We're approaching two, two grand so far. So you guys have been incredible. Just wanted to say thanks. Should we get one more caller in? Get one more. And sorry to Terry. Terry, you were breaking up in case, in case you didn't know. It was breaking up, but we, we caught some stuff. Yeah. He probably hates me too. <laughs> thanks for calling in, Terry. Zone 16 checking in. Let's go widescreen for you. What's up, man? Thanks oh, for calling yeah, into the pregame. And now he's doubling it up. Hey man, what's going on? How you doing? <laughs> doing great. Hey. Let everybody know. Let everybody remind everybody where you're at, what you got going on, and what you want to talk about. Hey, right, right here in Baltimore, Maryland, Charm City. But uh, remember, hey, I told you it was going to be a high-scoring affair, man. That's how it is in this AFC North, man. The AFC North is king, right? So when these teams get together, they're they're going to go at each other's neck, man. And that's what happened today, brother. You told me, and I told you, and I was dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That we, they started to get one when they started the game off with a pick six. It's like at that point you're like, okay, well, shoot, the offense is going to give us about 21, 28. So at this point, it's it's going to get up there. You know, I'm sitting here like looking at literally not even in the driveway yet, right? Coming back from the pregame show, and they already put seven yeah. up on the board. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> it the, the alert comes over in my fantasy football i'm like man I, i'm not even sitting down in front of the game yet and it's already seven to nothing i thought it was a special team score i didn't even know what was going on right at that point man it's that's what i'm saying Good so stuff. what's on your mind more so than any, anything else coming off this one 
I, I, you know, every every week you want to pick at something, so you always got to find something to look at. And it's, you know, the last time I talked to you and Cole, and I'm trying to find out why they're not feeding the bus, and then we figure out they're feeding the bus because they got a new key to the city with this young guy, Keaton Mitchell, out here. And then the day it's like uh, they forgot about both of those guys. And uh, I think we're all we're all football fans here, and we we know how it works, right? You run the ball, you play good defense, you go, you know, you go play action football, you protect your quarterback, and that's how you win a lot of games in the NFL. And it seems like they're getting away from that formula. What's going on? Appreciate the call, man. Thank you, Sarah. What do you think? I agree with them. I mean, that's I think that's one of the first things I said off the top of the show. We revisited it when we talked more about running backs. Um, again, I'm just trying trying to think. Not, I'm not saying it as an as, as an excuse. I'm just trying to think why would Todd Bunkin go away from it so bad? Did he really just forget about it, or was he nervous about these tackles and what they can do in the run game? I don't know. Either way, I just don't understand how you can have a guy who uh, was averaging in in his first two basic games where he got carries is averaging over ten yards per carry and is this home run hitter how you don't keep going back to him. Uh, I don't understand that. And maybe, maybe Bobby, maybe it had to do with his, no, cause uh, I'm, I'm trying. I was going to say maybe it had to do with his hamstring, but that's not it. Cause John Harbaugh said it literally was not the plan to go away from him. So I do not know why they did that. It seems bananas. Lamar had to remind Munkin once before he wanted to be balanced. Maybe, maybe they'll remind him again. I don't know. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I might walk to the studio. I'm like thinking about, because Harbs is going to keep it tight-lipped, obviously, during a postgame. But I'm like, what could it be? Yeah. What could it be? Is it the hamstring? No, on the 39-yarder, clearly it wasn't the hamstring. Yeah. Was it the committee? No, he said he earned a roll. And I'm just, like, going through all these different scenarios, and I guess we'll 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 hear more this week. Obviously, it's going to be talked about. It's going to be dissected. We've already done it for an hour and 10 minutes, so figured we'll, we'll leave it there. But uh, lots of... Lots of questions coming out of this one. Ronnie's health, Marlon's health, Keaton's lack of role. What what happened? All of these hopefully will be answered. Uh, but bottom line is everything's magnified when when you when you lose a game like this, when you collapse with that comfortable fourth quarter lead. And uh, I guess we'll have to see what happens on a short week, how they respond to a little second half midway point adversity. Sarah, Bobby, I just want to reiterate as we as we like you know end this and and finish out. I'm going to say the same thing I said earlier. The most important thing is not to overreact to this loss. They lost by two points against uh, a AFC foe who has just as good of a defense as, as Baltimore does. Maybe today they were a bit better. You've got just as good of a defense. You've got a, a quarterback who we were told coming into this felt like this was his defining moment because people were losing faith and were like, do we, what do we do with Deshaun Watson? They lost the first one. It's very difficult to sweep a divisional opponent. And I just don't want to lose perspective. The fact that the Ravens are still number one, they still put up 31 point number one in the division. They still put up 31 points and they have a short week to get this bad taste out of their mouth. Do not let it snowball. In fact, be a great team. Do what great teams do. Bounce back. Show that this that you can let a loss roll off your back. Come back and make a statement in front of the entire country, 
in primetime Thursday night against the Bengals, who everybody keeps saying has the better quarterback and has the better team and yada, yada, yada. Come back and do that and just make us forget about this Sunday. Good place to finish. Good stuff. You guys are the best. Uh, 72 minutes and counting. Uh, yeah, obviously not the same type of uh, tone and demeanor and viewership as a, as a win, but hey. We're here every single game, rain or shine, win, loss, or tie. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, if you appreciated the content, please consider subscribing to The Vault and the Bobby Baltimore YouTube channels. Also, like this video, whatever platform that you're on, if you enjoyed it, so that more people can discover what we're building here in Baltimore. It's a short week, so that means that we're going to be packing in a lot of content over the course of the next couple days, including a Cincinnati turning of the page with an official game preview. No Roquan Smith this week, just so you know. We'll be more on the lookout for, uh, uh-oh, no surrender that underscore 33. Sarah, stop, you're annoying me. For what? I, I what? pulled that up and I put that up. No surrender, that's so ironic. No surrender, it sounds like you're surrendering. If I'm annoying you, feel free to go another show. That's the facts. Move on from the game. Ravens are better than this. They're great. I don't care that I'm annoying you. That's what great teams do, and that's what they got to do. I thought you were going to take the 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 shot at him grammar-wise because he said you're instead of you are. Nah, so that's weak. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm weak. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just think it's – I just think when people have a good point and somebody points out the bad grammar, then that's like a weak way out. To me, it was a bad point, so I wanted to attack the point. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> It is all good. Where did this one comment just go? Adrian, thank you so much. Share the show to my groups. Thank you for the love. If you guys want to do the same thing, let everybody know where we're at. Oh, the comments are just coming flying in right now. We better get out of here. Sarah, you're getting everybody going. Look at this. Goodness gracious. We do have to have the Marcus Williams conversation at some point this week. And I think that's one thing we did not get into a lot today because he is really banged up. So let's see if we can budget out some time for that on Tuesday's Morning Vault, Sarah. How about that? Sounds good. Cool. You guys are the best. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your Sundays. If you're on the audio-only side of things, please think about taking 30 seconds to leave a rating and review for our show across all audio platforms or whichever one you use. And for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trostad signing off from this instant reaction episode. The Ravens fall to Cleveland in this Week 10 matchup. And now a short week looms. Lot is on the line over the course of the next couple days. Thank you to Cybertech for believing in what we're building as our exclusive sponsor here inside the vault. You guys are the best. We'll talk to you on Tuesday morning. Later. Later.